Well, we just have a short, a short message from the Lord's Word today. We spent a lot of good time together praying and lifting one another up before the Lord, and we want to conclude uh, with an opportunity to give thanks uh, for where we've seen the Lord at work in our lives in this past year. But before we do that, we'll spend a little time in His Word just setting up for what it really does mean to give thanks. Now, do you know anyone, maybe in your own family, and maybe you've encountered this over Christmas gatherings and get-togethers, do you know anyone that has sort of an, an interest, maybe an intense and passionate interest in some obscure hobby or obscure topic? Maybe you had it happen over your Christmas get-togethers where someone, innocently enough, asked a question like, so tell me about your ham radio or your model trains or whatever the thing was, and then you, then you could not get the person to stop talking about it, right? It often happens in those kind of niche or special interest topics, or quilting, perhaps. Anything like that. Or, or my personal favorite, uh, 35mm film photography. Yes, they still make it, and they still develop it. Just, just so you're aware. But get me started, and I'll tell you all about the color differences between Fuji Superior 400 and Kodak Portra 400, and why Ilford HP5 is the best black and white film still made. You can develop that stuff in instant coffee, and why the Canon AE, or A1 sorry, is probably the best film camera ever. As a matter of fact, I happen to have one right here with me. It's got, it's got all the features you want. Uh, it's got full auto, it's got aperture priority, shutter priority, full manual. It's got a, a double exposure feature, a 2 and 10 second timer on there. It's got speeds all the way down to 30 seconds, electronically controlled, plus bulb. It does everything you could want, except focus for you, which I've never understood why people need that anyway. It, it, it's, it's real simple. You just turn this one thing and it focuses. It's amazing. This camera is not mine, though. I borrowed this camera from my friend Joel Fromm. And when I went to his house to borrow it from him, we started talking about the history of the Karen Air Base, if you can believe it or not. Speaking of somebody that has a, a really interesting uh, interest in, in a topic that not many of us know about. But we probably should. So if you want to know more, talk to Joel. He'll be happy to tell you about it. Many of us know someone with, with an eagerness to talk about a special interest or a hobby. Maybe it's ourselves, and, and we know our own temptation to get going on something that's of interest to us. In our brief message for today, we have somebody who also is passionate to speak about something that's of great interest to him, and you kind of can't get him to stop talking about it. We'll turn to Psalm 118. And if you would like to stand, as we typically do, for the reading of God's Word... Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. 
It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is God's word. Did you catch the topic of great interest to the author of this portion of Scripture? Giving thanks to the Lord, right? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. It's always right and good to give thanks to the Lord. But here, our unnamed psalmist, though it sounds somewhat like David, I think, has some very specific things in mind. Verse 5 sums it up pretty well. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. And this kind of forms the the background of, of what he has to say in this psalm and why he is thankful. He keeps coming back to this pattern that his situation was difficult, even life threatening, but the Lord delivered him from it. As far as I can tell, this is this is just a stable pattern of life. Bad things happen. We can wish they didn't. And as much as some of the bad things just seem way out of proportion with what's reasonable to expect, we do have to admit that even those very difficult things force us to turn to God and depend on Him. And furthermore, in this psalm, deliverance comes when things seem darkest and most difficult. And that also has a way of being more noteworthy and memorable. Deliverance out of or even sustaining through something that's difficult has a way of growing our trust in God more than just avoiding those hardships entirely would do. Of course, the psalm itself is a work of thanksgiving and praise. But within it, the writer also expresses his intention of praising God and the value of doing so. I shall not die, but I shall live And recount the deeds of the Lord. Verse 17. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Verse 24. You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Verse 28. And of course, the beginning and end verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. 
for his steadfast love endures forever. And you may have heard me say this on other occasions, but, but I'll say it again because it's worth remembering. It's worth mentioning again. There's a subtle but very important difference between thankfulness and thanksgiving. Thankfulness is good, but it can remain internal. And it can remain kind of vague and just an intention or a feeling. But thanksgiving takes it a step further and makes it concrete. It makes it something that you actually have to do and put some effort into. To give thanks to the Lord. To do that and even to do that publicly is an is a important discipline that we read about, especially in the book of Psalms. It requires that we verbalize what we're grateful for in some fashion. Thanksgiving completes thankfulness, right? Thankfulness might be just an intention, but thanksgiving is the follow-through and what completes it. There's nothing wrong with being privately thankful to God for what he's done for us, but giving audible an actual voice to it, it makes it more real. It forces you to be specific and intentional about what you're thankful for, and it also provides the opportunity that your thanksgiving may be a source of encouragement to someone else. If they can see how God has come through for you, it can encourage them that he'll do the same for them. Of course, this psalm was written long before Jesus. But we all know a lot of the words in this psalm occur again in the New Testament as the New Testament writers apply these to our Lord Jesus. Right? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Think of the triumphal entry. Or how about these ones? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You can think of that being applied to Jesus in more than one place in the New Testament. The, the author of this psalm probably, probably was speaking much better than he, he really realized at the time, of course. And in hindsight, the inspired authors of Scripture in the New Testament were able to see that this ultimately pointed to the Lord Jesus. And in the light of that hindsight, offered by further revelation, we see that the ultimate reason for thanksgiving and for rejoicing is in the Anointed One, Jesus, our Messiah, our perfect and complete Savior and Redeemer, the one that we're celebrating at this season of the year, we're celebrating his coming in the flesh to be that Savior and Redeemer for us. This psalm speaks about God's help and deliverance from enemies and from difficult and challenging circumstances, even life-threatening circumstances. And that is important and right to do. But in Jesus, what this is actually ultimately pointing to, we can see something much bigger and even greater than deliverance from from life-threatening circumstances. We can see deliverance from the power of sin and death. There are certain things that a pastor regularly hears. Some of them I won't bore you with. You probably know what they are. Some of them may not even be worth repeating, unfortunately. But one of them, frequently heard after a sermon, is, that sure gives me a lot to think about, pastor. 
That can mean a couple of things, I think. Optimistically, it can mean, well, pastor, this is really challenging, and I need to go home and think and pray and figure out what I'm going to do with this, because this kind of wrecked me, and I need to figure out how I'm going to apply this in my life. Pessimistically, though, it can kind of mean something along the lines of, I'm thinking about this currently for about five minutes after the sermon, and I'll probably forget about it once the football is on in the afternoon. And I try not to go there really frequently. I I really try. So to avoid the latter, to avoid the the good intentions that don't have a lot of follow-through, or to avoid the, I'm just going to think about this, and that's really as far as it's going to go, we're going to conclude our time of worship together with some time and space to give thanks and testimony to what God has done in 2018. It doesn't have to be some dramatic turn of events as we've read about in this psalm, with enemies threatening your very life. Although, if, if you have something to give testimony to that evol- involved a, a dramatic turn of events, we will rejoice with you and give thanks with you. But I just think it's good to say the words out loud, to take that step from good intentions and from thinking about it to actually doing it. This has kind of been a theme throughout our sermons in this past year. We've looked at the Sermon on the Mount and how frequently we come around to not works righteousness, but Jesus actually saying, you know what? You need to live this out. You need to build your house on the rock, not on the sand. You need to look at the speck in your own eye before you start trying to, to, or the plank in your own eye, before you start trying to dig the speck out of your brother's eye. It's been a theme, I think, in a lot of our messages and a lot of what we've been doing this year. And we want to conclude the year with an opportunity to take a step and make something concrete and give thanks. At this time of the year, we celebrate the fact that Jesus came as a light into the world 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. And we've got a couple of microphones here. And... uh, if you speak really loudly, I guess you can speak from where your, your spot is. But we want to all be able to hear how he's come as a light into your life in the year that we're just ushering out. So we'll leave some time.